This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Church, uh, because I don't know about you, but sometimes we sing these songs and then it, there's, there's sort of almost something that bothers me a little bit. Where the song is all about me and my identity in Christ or sort of the song is focused on me. It's not focused on God's identity. And so we cannot know who we are unless we first know who he is. Would you agree with me? You know, and there's a lot of I, me, a sort of a feeling of I want to feel better and, and I'm so sufficient in myself because when I know God, then I'm at peace. But it's, it's sort of almost a, a, a slight challenge. And this is in this context that Paul writes. And it says, well, we are seated with Christ, but how do we walk and stand in Christ? How do we walk in this fullness of Christ? And so we're going to jump into the first chapter a little bit and, and just see where he writes from. And we're going to do a couple of verses together. So are you ready to go? Okay, so Paul, Paul right here in Ephesians 1 verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, a, it's an amazing way to start. It says, just let God's grace, let his peace, his shalom, peace, which is not a uh, sort of an absence of trouble. It's not like a, a nice place, like utopia place. He says, there's going to be trouble. But in that trouble, I speak God's grace. I speak God's peace over you. And that word charis is that grace is God's enablement. Um, there's a lot of people that speak about grace, 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 but it's sort of almost for them a ticket to sin sometimes. Um, but grace is God's enablement, God's ways to do his will. Isn't that amazing that God gives us petrol in the petrol tank to reach where we need to reach? But you can have the car, everything, but is there, if there's no petrol in the petrol tank, you're going you're gonna to maybe rev in your driveway, but you're not going to go a lot of places. Are, are you with me? So, so he, he, he says there's grace, there's peace for you and he, and he writes to the saints who are in Ephesus in this area. And then verse 3 goes on, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I think if you take this theme or this term in Christ in Ephesians, then you're going to like, whoa. It's just everything is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. He says, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Whoa, that's already like a mouthful. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a mouthful, okay? It's, um, it's amazing. He's, he says, God has chosen us. So he starts with this place and he says, when God has made a choice, when God has God has chosen us, it's not because we're so good, because we're so nice. And he says that the purpose of that choice is simply twofold. The first one is holiness. And holiness is, um, is to be different or to be separate unto God and from the world. And I, I think it's something we don't talk about often enough, is the fact that the, the gospel, and the, this is the context in the first three chapters, he speaks about the fact that it must bring holiness or sanctification, heiligmaking in our lives. There's a lot of people that don't talk about sanctification anymore. 
There's a lot of people that talk about the benefits of the gospel, but for the believer, the effect of the gospel is not justification, but sanctification. For the unbeliever, it's like to get saved. Okay, that sounded very like, like cool, eh? But it's not my quote. It's Pastor Hini from Johannesburg, okay? I just wanted to quote that, get that in from the theologians. But so, he says, when, when we're unsaved, we get to know Christ, and that's called justification. But when we save, the gospel must have the same effect. It's holiness. It's sanctification. And he says, this, this is so beautiful. He says, God has blessed us with these amazing things. In Christ, we have got a different identity. In Christ, we are free. But he says, that choice is for us to be holy. And then the second word he used there is like a word, amomos which is blameless. And this is quite a challenging one because the right definition of that word actually means perfect. Okay, so not just as he says, I've called you to be holy. He says, I've called you to be perfect. Sure. Now that's unattainable for a human being. So God's standard is up there and there's no way you and I can make it. That should bring us immediately to a place of humility. Because it's only in Jesus. And isn't it amazing that sometimes we, we want to be good people, we want to be nice people, and we think like, oh. But God is looking for holiness and perfection. And you cannot do it. It's only because of the blood of Jesus. It's only because of what he has done, the price that he has paid. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> Okay, so he says that's why he chose us, so that we can stand before him free and having a place where we know that I am completely forgiven. I'm completely reconciled to God, but it's only because of Christ, not because of my own merit. I was thinking this week of, of just how grateful we should actually be because of the cross. Have, have you thought about it that you and I should, should have been on that cross? Have you thought about it that your and my response is like, yo, he's taken my place of eternal damnation, of eternal just separation from God, and, and he's taken your place, he's taken my place. And so the Christian should actually live such a life of thankfulness. And that's why, you know, from, from the Old Testament, when people would enter into his courts with thanksgiving, with praise, because it's not about how we feel or what we've done, but it's really, if somebody's given you the gift of life, it's, it's more than somebody giving you the lotto times 10. <laughs> Have you ever seen somebody respond? I, the other day I walked out here, was going to the Afrikaans service, and uh, the jumping castle was down, okay? And there were probably like 50 or 60 kids around the jumping castle, but they're all standing like, And they're not allowed to switch on the jumping castle. So then, I don't know if it was Jan or somebody that came, and then he switched on that jumping castle. You should have seen it. You should have. The one, one guy, the parents are sitting there at the back. I'm just looking in the direction. He went like, yes! Yes! And the other one went like, yes! Yes! And then you should have seen that. <laughs> you know? And I thought, like, if kids can get so excited about a jumping castle, you know, then what freedom don't we have 
in Christ. <laughs> He's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's given us this, this purpose, this place where we can live before God. And, and that thankfulness, and this is sort of the barometer for me, and I think it should be for all of us, is how thankful are we on a daily basis for what God has done? If you lose your thankfulness and your worship, then you're in trouble. Because then we get critical, we get negative, we get bitter. We know what's wrong. And just look at our nation at the moment. Everybody knows what's wrong. Just look at, read the news and you think like, oh, <laughs> there's problems, you know. And then we start talking to each other. The other day I was talking to this group of guys and they were just like the one negative after the other. Yeah, the land grabs. Yeah, the, blah, blah, blah. And it's not that we want to live in denial. It's just simply hey, are we going to commit ourselves to life? Are we going to commit ourselves as Christians to that place where we say, yes, Lord, we want to be different. Holiness doesn't just mean like sprinkle the water. <laughs> Holiness means I'm going to live differently than the world. I'm going to live a separate life. Is, isn't that true? How, how, does, how does my life look different in the workplace tomorrow morning when I walk in there? Hello. There should be something different. And, and it starts with the presence of God. Now listen to this in Ephesians 1. It goes on in verse 5. It says, Having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So, what a mouthful. <laughs> but whoa. <laughs> he says, He's, he's predestined us to adoption. Now, most of us think in terms of adoption just as, as an orphan that comes into a house that we adopt, but he actually, he's actually talking about the Roman adoption. And what it means is that the father has got complete ownership of that child when that child is adopted. The child gets a new family name and everything, but the, there's complete transfer of ownership. So he says, when, when you and I have this freedom to come to him, he's chosen us, but not just chosen us to say, hey, you're going to do good things for me, and hey, Gideon, you're going to be a nice guy, you're going to be, be a nice financial manager, and, and you're going to do this, and you're going to, it's not about that, but he says, I've adopted you. But when that adoption comes, it means God owns you. Not out of fear, but out of a place where he says, according to the good pleasure of his will. Whoa. <laughs> Do you know God takes pleasure when you and I follow him? God delights it when you and I are here this morning. Some of us, the spirit of Duvay, still hanging very heavy. <laughs> but the amazing thing is God takes pleasure when you take effort. I know sometimes you want to kill your children on the way here. You want to slaughter a couple of stuff, you know. <laughs> and there's like the biggest fights is before we get to church. But the amazing thing is God takes pleasure the moment when you and I say, I'm going to take time off to worship God. I'm, I'm going to set myself apart for him. Because the challenge in Stellenbosch is simply there are so many options. On a Sunday morning, on a Sunday evening, there's, there's so many options. I spoke to Werner who is in, in Secunda and he says, Wow, there's mountains here. There's not just a flame. You know, they have this big sussel flame burning there in Secunda. You know? <laughs> and the crazy thing is, you know, if God just becomes another option, we, 
We don't take pleasure in his will, but you know, he takes pleasure when his people comes to him. Zephaniah says that God rejoices over us. The moment when you and I come, it's not just about a set of rules we have to fix. It's about that life that we have with him and in him. And he says, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are accepted in the beloved. So God brings us to a place of, illegit- of to legitimacy. I almost said illegitimacy. And, okay. Now let's, let's go on. Are, are you still all right? We, we're just running through a couple of verses as he starts and we need to get to verse 24. So, so I'm going to, don't interrupt me so much. Verse 7. And in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom. I love this. It's almost like a poetry part that he writes. He says this beautiful words, you know. He says, it's going to abound to you with wisdom and prudence. It's going to, PJ, do you know what that word prudence means? The phrase thought people. Okay, I saw PJ here. But in him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness. Redemption means I've been set free. I've been forgiven. And I've set others free. So, many of you will know that the last three months we've been inviting everybody to just, and especially the leaders in the church, to come and pray and say, Lord, what what do we need to do for the next season? And uh, one of the big words that came out for us as a church is not just obedience and a love for the truth, but one of them is to be instruments of reconciliation and forgiveness. That's a specific sort of call on on this church and maybe on the rest of the church on Stellenbosch as well but there's a redemptive purpose why God has called us here and so there's there's such a beautiful place when I'm redeemed I'm set free a ransom has been paid for me I'm like a prisoner of war that has been set free somebody walked in and gave me the keys and said you're free to go and when you and I grasp this, then it becomes so rich for, for you and I to walk in it every day. When you w- wake up in the morning, you can say, Lord, I'm set free from this world and from the things of this world. From anything that has a hold on me. And that's why we have to protect our hearts. That's why we have to have soft hearts. Like children. They just can come and just forgive. And it's, it's difficult for us. But God says, hey, there's redemption. There's forgiving, forgiveness. Okay, so let's, let's run to verse 9. So we're just running through it and then we're going we're gonna to pray for each other. He says, having made known to us the mystery of his will. He says, there's been a mystery and according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Again, that word good pleasure. If you, if you think that God really takes pleasure in his people, he, he really loves it. It's not a set of rules. I'm going to say it again. It's not a performance. It's not a, hey, try to be a good Christian because you can't. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can't be good. Sorry. You can't be perfect. Only, only God is good. Now verse 10, he says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. So now he begins to talk about this, this uniting in Christ. He says there's a, there's a place. And that's the problem in, in South Africa is everybody wants to bring their culture and stand from a distance but it's only in Christ that we can be united it's only when we find ourselves there at the cross that that's the answer 
It's not because we're trying to be fancy or we're trying to do a lot of things. And listen to what William Barclay says. He says, we are living in an age. Now, this is a couple of decades ago that he wrote this. He says, we are living in an age where many people have lost their faith in a purpose for this world. Christians have faith that God's purpose is being worked out. Paul's conviction is that one day all things and all people should be one family in Christ. We're not talking about this big ecumenical, you know, try to be nice with everybody. That is really just in Christ where God is the center of our worship. And where the gospel is, is writing in the context of the gospel, where the gospel has its real effect on our lives. So, so God, God is purposed in himself. And he says, the amazing thing is he's revealed that to us. It's like a mystery. Lots of people in the Old Testament have struggled with that. But now, because of Christ, he has united us. He's reconciled us in him. Say, I'm reconciled in him. Thank you very much. Okay, so let's, let's go on to verse 11. And in him also we, now he's writing about this contention between the Jews and the Gentiles. And he's writing to both and then he's sort of bringing them together. He says, in him also we, the Jews, I put in the yellow stuff, except the guarantee part. In him also we, the Jews, have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we, we, we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted. After you, that's not the Gentiles, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So there's a lot of times he uses this word to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. But he says, there's, there's been like, a bit of contention between the Jews and the Gentiles, but he says, in Christ, we're one. There's, there's no difference. There's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no male, there's no female, there's no... And, and yet the world is going wild on gender politics and identity and your this and that. But as Christians, we're united. <laughs> we're united because of the cause of Christ, because of the will of Christ. And he says that the one thing that will sort of make you not get confused out there he says is because you were sealed with a promise you were sealed with the arabon which is a guarantee it's a deposit it's a it's almost like this letter that the king would send and he would put his seal on there and he'd put his stamp in there so nobody would open that letter except the guy who needed to receive it and he says the amazing thing as christians it's not just we're not just wandering through this world God has put a deposit in your life and on your life. And that's called the Holy Spirit. And he talks about this truth. He talks about the, the Holy Spirit of promise. See, if, if I would go and buy something today or if I would go and buy a house, the first thing that they ask is, what deposit are you going to put down? Okay, and, and your deposit would secure a payment that is to come. And so if, if that, that thing would say, okay, I need to get a 30% deposit, maybe to get a bank loan or whatever. But the amazing thing is that God has placed a deposit in you. <laughs> and on you, he's placed that deposit. And he says, I'm, I'm going to come. There's a guarantee. I'm putting down a guarantee until the redemption of the purchased possession. That's you. That's me. That's the church. He's ransomed us. He's paid with a price. 
And so some of the, the ladies here, you know, it's almost like an engagement ring. Huh? Where you, when you have that ring on, then people know there's a date, there's a day that's coming. Hey, eh, Emma? Why are you sitting so close to Yandre at the moment? Because he, just wave, just wave. I know you're going to blush now, but that's all right. Just wave the left hand. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not quickly. Just, just wave like the queen, you know. They got engaged last week, you know. So, yeah, like it. So, but. <laughs> but the amazing thing is when, when you have that ring, it's like, I'm sealed. I'm, there's, a, there's something coming and that's a beautiful, a beautiful moment of where God says, I'm, I'm not going to let you wander through this life. I'm, I'm, I'm not just want, want you to try a lot of things. There's going to be a day. And the amazing thing is that day, there's going to be no orange flags or blue flags. And, oh, the shofar group stands over here. And the new gen group stands over there. And the every nation group over there. And the Baptist, oh, they, they, they're not so noisy. Let them come in later. You know, and then let's, let's have groupings. There's going to be no flags. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> there's only going to be one name. And the amazing thing is that moment when, when, you are, when you and I have an eternal perspective in our hearts, then a lot of things fade away around us <laughs> because we realize there's a deposit in my life. There's a guarantee. There's a guarantee that payment is going to come. And that gives me much more than just a feeling of love. It gives me a feeling of eternal hope, eternal destiny, that what I do here is a little bit, it's a drop in the bucket in connection with what's going to happen in eternity. Amen? And, and sometimes we forget that as the church, that Jesus is making his pride ready. Sometimes we forget that, that there's going to be a wedding supper of the Lamb. And sometimes we lose focus because we focus on the, on the crowd that's sitting next to us who arrives at the banquet. There's only going to be one. And he writes about this. He says, look here, guys, you, you need to find your place in Christ. You need to be secure in that place in Christ. And now Paul begins and he says, Therefore, I also heard, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He says, I've heard of the faith. I've heard of how you hang on to Christ. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. Now he begins to pray for them because he realizes with all this challenge, how, do you, how does this stuff not just be head knowledge? How does it actually settle into your spirit? And now he prays, and this is our homework. We're going we're gonna to pray for each other. We're going to pray these three things that Paul writes. He says, I pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He says, if this, this can be just the intellectual pursuit, all this stuff, I'm seated with Christ, I'm adopted with Christ, he's called me to holiness, he set me apart. 
to be different in this world. But, but he says, now, I, I see the faith in you, but what I want to do is I want to, I want to pray something for you that God would really give you a spirit of revelation and of wisdom. Wisdom mean, means knowledge rightly applied. And then he says that the eyes of your understanding may, may be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that you may know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Whew, it's, it's a lot of words, okay? But he says, I pray that the eyes, your spiritual eyes will open up, the eyes of your understanding, because if you're going to just go through this life, you're going to be challenged with a lot of stuff just to try to evaluate stuff in the natural but there's something much more and you need the spirit of wisdom you need the spirit of revelation and that your spiritual eyes will open up to see i remember when my um, daughter one of my daughters would regularly when she was young she would come into the the room and then the next morning and then she'd say daddy do you know what these there's like an angel that came to visit me last night. And, and the angel spoke to me. And uh, then I normally sit there and I think like, okay, okay. W w next time, just bring the angel uh, to our room as well. <laughs> okay, you know, just, yeah. And then sometimes they will, they will you know, my, my son had a dream one day of a, of a he said, a, a man with a black cat standing in our, in our garden outside. But because we prayed, he couldn't come in. There's been protection on our home. But he said the, the guy came to stand outside the window. Yeah. And it's amazing how open children are to spiritual things. You are the most spiritual in your life between the age of zero and three. Hello. But why do we lose some of that stuff? Why do... Most young people, or most people get saved under the age of 17 years of age. I wonder why. Because the older we get, and, and, and I want to challenge us, because I hear that a lot of people say, yeah, you're also going to grow old, and you're also going to lose that passion. I was also a student. I was also excited about Jesus. But then life came. <laughs> and I think like, Sure. That's not really biblical. We should never lose our passion for God. <laughs> we have friends in northern India that have signed up. The one uncle, I, I met him last year, I think it was, no, not last year, the year before that, in June. He's 79 years, so he'll be 80 this year. Now, him and his wife signed up to go to Pakistan because they have one desire, and that is to be killed physically for Jesus. They don't want to retire. They live north of Delhi. They don't want to retire because they said they've had lived a full life. But the amazing thing is now they have an opportunity for their blood to be spilled in Pakistan so that revival can come in Pakistan. And I think like, ooh, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a bit radical, you know. Anybody want to sign up? <laughs> and this woman just cries and he says like, I remember he said like, this is so amazing. He says the, the ability to be able to identify with the death of Jesus. 
And then they held their hands. This, this Tani. And she just loves. You can just see she's a prayer warrior. She prays every morning from 1 a.m. till 7 a.m. That's, that's her glory time with Jesus. The reason why I'm telling these stories is not to be radical, but there's, there's a church that is alive. <laughs> there is a church that really has an eternal perspective. And it's not like, hey, sign up for all the radical stuff. It's where you are at work tomorrow morning. That's where God has placed you. But tomorrow morning, say, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding that I might know the hope of your calling. There's a hope of the calling of God, of being in Christ. What are the riches of his glory and his inheritance in the saints? There's an inheritance when we come together this morning. There's a, there's a richness of God's pleasure of his life. And then the third thing, there's an exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. It's like God says, okay, angels, I'm just waiting for Umri to pray. When, when Umri pray, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there. I'm, I'm just waiting for you bear to pray. Or Espia, I'm, I'm just, the moment when they just agree with my will, I'm there. He's watching over his word to perform it. Now just the last couple of verses and then we're going to pray. Which he worked in Christ, verse 20. From the dead and seated him at, the right, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God has placed a deposit in his church and the time of the church is not over. Until Jesus comes. And that's what, what Paul fights for. And he says a lot of people are losing hope. A lot of people are negative about church. And church is, there's obviously a lot of different definitions. Some people cannot meet like we meet. They meet in the Middle East in a little room downstairs, have to hide. But there's a church that is in Christ. And a church that has a redemptive purpose. We have this amazing opportunity to still meet like this. So use every opportunity. <laughs> use every opportunity to agree in prayer. Use every opportunity to come together and say, Lord, give us the spirit of revelation. Open up the eyes of our understanding. Lord, so that I don't just walk through this life trying to touch here, trying to do a little bit here, a little bit there. But I want to know these three things, the hope, of your calling, the riches of your glory and inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe. Will you stand with me this morning? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.